You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Ross on Y. To find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. So good, so good to have you here. Last Sunday we were in Lamster, in our church in Lamster. My family were sharing. We are coming to the closure, the end of five weeks talking about revival. Uh, if you don't understand, if you don't know yet why we are spending five weeks talking about revival, uh, Hereford has received a prophecy, uh, a word of, of uh, uh, saying that Hereford is pregnant with revival. And always when I, I hear this, my heart goes really uh, small in the presence of God because uh, I've never been pregnant, but my wife has. And every time when I think about that, it always reminds me myself of her pain and how chaotic it was for me in the hospital as well. Because, and every time when I think about that, always, uh, God, the Holy Spirit always tells me, prepare to go through the labor, prepare to go through the pain, and prepare to go through the pain of others. Because I remember uh, this le- the second birth, uh, Paula, she, she got in the hospital, and she was over there saying, JP, we're going to leave this hospital with two things today. And is it real? Yes. A baby and a vasectomy. You take a look which doctor is working today because I'm not doing this again. So you take a look which doctor is working today because it's the last time uh, that I'm going to go through this pain. And always, uh, when, always when I think about that, because this word of, of being pregnant of, of revival, we have this huge expectation of what it's going to be like but it always brings to my heart how we're going to have to face the challenge of pain, the challenge of other people's pain, and how we're going to have to be humble enough to say, uh, hold my hand, I'll be there with you. Hold my hand because uh, uh, I know it will be tough, but we won't be alone. And I remember when Paulo was pressing my hand, I was like, can someone give me, me some medicine for pain over here? But whatever I was facing was not the pain itself. Someone else was facing a proper pain over there. And I remember uh, uh, she didn't understand something the midwife said, so I went there to translate. And she politely said for me to be quiet. I said, I'm translating to you. She was, I'm not saying which what she said over there on the pain, but she politely asked me to be quiet and not say a word. Uh, but it's this, the pain, when someone is going through that pain. Uh, and that's a church who has received the prophecy that for this pregnant revival. We are the ones that we're going to have to face uh, being there. Being there through the pain, being there with people's sorrows, being there with people uh, challenges. We're going to be there for them. And today is the last uh, topic. Actually, is the second on the order, but it's the last one uh, here in Ross. And I'm talking today about uh, humbling ourselves. And before uh, I, I, I go through the, what I have prepared for, uh, what I feel, I feel the Holy Spirit inspired me uh, to speak. I, I love the presence of God. And I have a huge expectation of His presence today, this morning. Uh, yesterday I was, I was uh, praying uh, and Tiago was next to me and I was, and, and suddenly I felt that the presence of my living room was full of the presence of God. And I started crying. I was, I spending, I was spending time uh, reading the Bible over there with my son sleeping on the side. Uh, and do you know, I l- do you ever realize that God said to us that for us to enter his presence, we're going to have to go down. 
you know where the, where the house of God is? I believe the house of the God of our Lord is in a place where we only have access if we go down. Do you know why I believe that? Because of Jeremiah 18. Because the word in Jeremiah 18, God invites Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, I want you to go to the potter's house. And over there, I'm going to give you a message. Over there, I'm going to talk to you. But it's interesting how he comes to Jeremiah. He doesn't say, Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. Do you know what he says over there? Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. He invites Jeremiah for a process of, you know, Jeremiah, I want you to have access to the potter's house. I want you to have access to, the, to this place where I'm going to be talking to you. But for you to enter this place, when I want to give you a message, I need you to go down. So he starts uh, Jeremiah 18 saying, and it's brilliant because it says, lift up, make a movement to go down. And as you go down, you're going to find over there someone working with clay. And he got over there. Jeremiah stood up and went down to the potter's house. And when he got over there, what did he see? He saw the, the, the master doing working with clay. And what happened? He saw someone doing the clay over there, and it was not good. It wasn't good. And suddenly he broke, he made the clay, said, I, I'm, not, I'm not happy with this. I'm going to do something over again. I'm going to start again. And he started. And then God comes to Jeremiah and says, uh, Jeremiah, you are, you are, can I not do with you, Israel, as the same way this potter does? I can do that. And I will do that. I am committed. God is committed to shape us so we can look like him. And to do that, he made an invitation for us to humble ourselves. This is a commitment for us to have access to our God we're going to have to humble ourselves. Because God's house is only able to reach it when we go down. When we go down our pride, when we go down on our, on our, on our religious, but we need to go down. Humble ourselves. Uh, I believe, so the word that we are talking about is Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I fully believe that uh, humbling ourselves, humility, is key for us to see revival. It's key for us to see anything, actually. Uh, humility. We're going to take a look on today how humility, because usually we think that humility is, so this couple, they are from my life group, and suddenly, for example, he, my friend Murray comes to me, he says something that I thought was rude, so that I'm just saying, getting as an example, they don't do that, they are brilliant, okay? I'm just giving an example, and suddenly, I think people say, oh, see how humble JP is, because instead of, of, of uh, acting back the same way, he reacted differently, and we connect being humble, being uh, humility to a state of mind. Sometimes we, we think that it's action of reactions, like a, a, a law of Newton. Uh, my, my, my physics teacher will be proud right now. Uh, but we, we think that it's an action of reaction. But let me tell you something. Jesus said that humility is part of his nature. We need to understand. Next. 
Humility is not an option or a behavior, but it's the very nature of Christ, revealed by faith. Jesus said he was not feeling humble. Jesus never said that he was in a moment where he was acting humbly, but he said that he was humble. I am humble. If we see uh, Matthew chapter 11, these are really interesting Bible verses for us. Because chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 11 talks about, it's one of the most famous Bible verses. I'm sorry, it's a little bit small. But uh, it says, you probably heard this Bible verse saying, Come to me, all of those who are tired and weary, and you will find rest. I will give you rest. And take my oak upon you and learn from me. And then Jesus says, because I am humble. Humble is not something he was acting like, but humble humility was Jesus' nature itself. It was who he was. It was who he is. And it's interesting because usually we get this Bible verses without connecting to, the, uh, to what was happening. If we see the two verses previous, this Bible verse is amazing how God is challenging our pride on these Bible verses. Because we connect those Bible verses to any kind of tiredness. And I believe that Jesus invited us for any kind of tiredness. If you are tired, come to him. But this Bible verse specifically, Jesus are talking about the tiredness that we feel by being proud. You know why? Because it starts uh, uh, two Bible verses uh, previous when Jesus said that. He comes to people and says, people, everyone, so... The Father has hidden those things from all of those who think they are something. And they have revealed those things I'm about to say to those who are small, who are children. So those who, are th uh, who think are too much, God has hidden those things from them, but has revealed them to the children. No one knows the Father. So the next verse is, no one knows the Father but me. And no one knows the Son but the Father. And no one will know the Father, but those that I am the Son will reveal the Father. And then after this, after Jesus says that, straight away he says, now come to me, all of those who are tired, because I will give you rest, because I'm humble. Why do you think God is connecting tiredness to being proud? Have you ever thought to think why man was created for last? God's intention was to be known as a family, as a father. And then he comes and he says, he, he's creating the, the world. This is always a challenge word for me. World. Uh, and he makes the man last. Why do you think man was created for as last? If you're from a life group, you're not allowed to answer. Why man was created last? Instead of first, because you know... Let me tell you something. God created man last because he wanted to, when he created everything, he created the earth, he created, he made separation between land and water, he created uh, everything for us to eat, for us to be, everything, then he created the man. And when he created the man, he gave a sense of purpose and destiny. And he said to you, now that I created you, there's nothing left to be created. Everything you need to fulfill the purpose that I gave you is done. So humbly accept 
the life that I have for you and go and bear fruits. Why are we so tired nowadays? Because we are inverting this process. We come to God and we say, God, I have created the life I want. Now I know what, what is the life I want. I want this and this and this. I want to live in a house like that, like that, like that. I want to do this. That's my purpose. And now that I know the life that I want, please create the things that I need for that. And we're going to get tired because Jesus' commitments was never to fulfill our idea of life. Jesus, knowing the will of God, he gave up his rights. And we are getting so tired, so tired because we created this life that Jesus never said he was committed to it. And we are not humble enough to give up our rights and submit ourselves to Christ. God, next one please, God only reveals himself to the humble. I started saying this, pay attention to what God says in Psalms 138. He says, though the Lord is on high, though the Lord is on high, he knows, he attends, he goes, he is together with those who are humble. But those who are proud, those who think they know the life that they should be living, those who think how to make the choice by themselves, all of those who are proud, God knows them as well. But God knows them making a choice to know them from afar. Those who are proud to think they know which choices to make by themselves, God intentionally make a choice because Jesus is humble. He is the one who sees so Mark is over there in the back. I'm choosing him as an example of someone proud, okay? But he's not. He's humble. So Mark that is humble is, is proud. I know him. But I know him. I choose to know him from a far distance. Because my presence is, you can't reach my presence without going down. Because in my presence, my nature is revealed by being humble. I know him. But I choose him to know from a distant place. But my friend who is humble, who is terrible. But every day he comes to God and says, God, I need you. I need your mercy. Do your life in me. I surrender. I give up my rights. This person, God himself, he chooses to know this person. He attends this person closely. We need to understand that because otherwise we'll never leave revival. Because Jesus, knowing his rights, he gave up uh, of it. And I want to invite you to read, uh, open your, your word in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Because talking about, we're going to understand a little bit more, I think, why. I have a huge expectation of today. I was talking to Enrico yesterday and uh, Keith as well. How I, my heart was full of expectation in Christ for today. Because I think that God will prepare this church. For revival. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, uh, actually the entire chapter 2, it's really powerful how God inspires us and, and Jesus teaches us how, how, uh, uh, only through humility we can do anything. 
So in this letter to the church, in, uh, to the Philippians, uh, they come on the beginning of chapter 2 and say, please copy, copy how Jesus is humble. And how Jesus is humble. So he says over here, therefore, chapter verse 1, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common share in the spirit, if any tenderness and any compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interest, but each one of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same Mindset as Jesus Christ. Can you put the next uh, slide, please? Look this process. How beautiful it is this process. I'm, I'm feeling like a teacher today. Because there is a process that God wants to put his church through. Which is a process of humility. It's a process of humbling ourselves for revival. And I'm going to explain to you why this is important. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. How? What did he do? Because Jesus Christ, being the very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used on his own advantage. Instead, he made himself nothing. How did he do that? By taking the very nature of a servant. So he made himself nothing. How he did that? He chose to serve. He chose to serve. He made us the choice. He made him the choice to be known as a servant. Uh, in what kind of shape he made himself a servant in human likeness? He was found as a man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And humbled himself in what way? By becoming obedient until death. There's a process for us as a as church. If you want to see revival, I'm always asking myself, why? What is this revival that we talk about so much? Because sometimes revival, when we talk about revival, we keep thinking that uh, we're going to see uh, the glory of God spread everywhere. And people, I don't know, I'm telling you something. What I feel about revival, I think that revival, when it comes, first of all, I don't think that the hell can stop revival. I really don't believe that we need to be worried because no demon can stop revival. Because if I believe so, I believe that devil can stop God. It's God's intention to set, to reveal himself. That's why Jesus was revealed. So devil cannot stop revival. And neither can the church. But we as a church, as we were chosen, chosen to be the ones who reveal God, we can disturb this revelation. And that's why the potter needs to be, the clay, working with the clay needs to break all the time, break all the time, because he needs to make us into his proper shape. But I don't believe revival will reveal the glory of God. Sometimes we, we connect revival to a lot of miracles everywhere 
and I believe those things will happen as they are happening right now. But let me tell you something. Know what I believe from revival. Why Jesus humbled himself. The glory of God was revealed already. If you see the sunset, you see the glory of God. Come on. If you see how can a baby like that, handsome like Tiago, that looks like so much like his father. It is true. It is true. I'm going to show you some pictures after. But how can I still believe that there is any glory still to be revealed? Glory already. God already revealed his glory. When I look to the Lauders, that's how I pronounce the last name. Yeah. My goodness. Any church wants to have a family like that. Isn't it true? Even the ones who get married to their daughters. And they add like into the... Everyone. God already revealed his glory. So let me tell you, ask you something. What revival will reveal? That people, when they see the glory, they don't see. The love of God. Everyone relates to God, knowing Him by His power, when His intention wasn't to be known by His power, but His intention was to be known by His love. No other God chose to be known as a father like He was. So revival, my friend, is preparing the church, it's preparing the church, a better church to be given to the world. The last thing that we're going to see, we're going to see a lot of miracles everywhere. I believe that. Because those things, they will follow. But they will follow who? They will follow a church that is full of love. I heard this sentence this week, and it was amazed. I was amazed by it. I'm thinking about that so much. Uh, the sentence like this. No one can wash someone's feet without getting your hands dirty. It's impossible, it's impossible to commit yourself to people's problems and go and wash their hands and their feet without coming after that with hands dirty. You're going to have to mess with people's problems. You're going to have to be on a, on a position when you say, it's not my problem. I'm not doing anything. I didn't do anything to deserve it. This week on Tuesday, Gavin and I, we are meeting a guy here in Ross who contacted all the churches in Ross. Asking for help. He runs a youth club. And I was in touch with him. And he replied and said, thank you very much. Because from all the emails I sent, this is the second reply. And the first one was uh, quite politely no. And he's needing help. He's needing help. He runs a youth club in Ross. And he's needing help. And he contacted the church. There wasn't a single church who replied saying, we're here. What can we do? We're going to meet with him on Tuesday. Because what I believe is that revival will humble ourselves in a way that we will be given better to the world. Revival will give a better husband, a better wife, better parents, better teachers. I don't know where you're working, what is your field of action. But God will give you better. And for that, we're going to have to give up our rights. 
There's something Paul and I, we always uh, do uh, when we are having an argument. That is annoying. And it is give up in our rights. Whenever we, we are the ones who are right. So as any couple, believe me or not, as beautiful we are, we have arguments. Right, Amor? Yes, don't tell them which ones, okay? Yeah. Uh, but what makes us still married? When we intentionally say, I'm going to have to give up my rights. More her, of course, because uh, I'm real. I'm a, I'm a real husband. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah. She's going to be like, yes, JP, yeah, but I'm, I'm going to give up my rights, and I'm going to stand firm over here. This is a church that will re reveal the love of Jesus Christ, because revival will give us better to the world. Revelations 2, chapter 4 says, yet I hold this against you, that you have forsaken the love that you had first. And what was this love? I was thinking about this so much. How I was when I first met Jesus Christ. And I remember I was, I gave my life to Jesus. I was born in a Christian family, so I grew up in this environment. I gave my life to Jesus when I was uh, 12 years old. And that time, I was, I wanted to be a missionary. From, I was 12 years old, crazy. Uh, I wanted to be a missionary. And I... I remember we used to have these mission conferences, and I wanted to serve, and I wanted to serve, and I wanted to serve. And I remember going, and we were doing rehearsals for plays, for drama, for everything. Uh, and uh, until I was 2 o'clock in the morning, we were cleaning toilets, preparing everything. And that's the place I wanted to be. But we grow with Jesus, and suddenly we start saying, but now, Jesus, for me to keep going and keep doing this, I need this and this and this. And I started, when I was preparing this, I'm nearly finished, I promise. Don't go yet. And I remember, there's cakes, yes. Not because of me, because of the cakes. Uh, I remember when I was preparing this, I started to remind myself, saying, God, I remind me that I don't need the things that brings me comfort. They are great, but I don't need them. Because my heart cannot be on those things. And sometimes we don't be careful with the words you say. Because the next day when I preached that, someone crashed into my car. And it was total loss. And I'm on the process of, of going through. Uh, and I was like, oh my goodness, what did I pray? Why I said I don't need cars. Uh, <laughs> but then I remember I went down to, to talk to the lady. And the first thing, I, I had so much peace. I saw my car crashed. And the first thing that I, I, I needed to say was to come to the lady and say, are you okay? You had hurt. Because the car is not important. You're more important than the car. And she was like, oh. We are facing, my friend, a battle. I don't know. I, 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 I can't talk about happiness. The Bible didn't pr promise happiness. The Bible promised joy. And there's a difference. There's a big difference. How can I come to someone in Turkey? How can I come to someone in Ukraine and talk about that God has promised them happiness? Well, let me tell you something. God has promised the world joy. And the joy of the Lord will be our strength. And that is a promise of God. And we need to be those who are willing 
car, we live in Hereford, we need a car to come. But if you don't have a car, my friend, we're going to sort out. I'm a metro in John Crow, and I didn't have a drive license. I used to get the bus every day to come. Every day, every Tuesday to come. It would take me two hours and a half, nearly three hours to come to Ross by bus. So having the car is much more easy. But nothing can stop us if we understand that we can be those serving, even if we don't have everything. Because everything we need to serve was already given. We were created last. Because everything we needed was done when we were created. So we could go and be a blessing to people. Love like Jesus does. And love what Jesus does for us to be finishing. And for us to finish out. Uh, love what Jesus does. This is how we know that love is what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Humility brings revival because. The next one, please. Your love for one another will prove. Look what it says in John 13. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Revival will prove to the world that there is disciples. Revival will prove to the world that God is not just a powerful God, but is also a God who loves us. God is a God who loves us. You know what people are desperate to discover? Is that God created everything. He loves me. We were, we had a, a pack of clothes and Paula felt to uh, to give them away. Usually any, any extra money we have makes a big difference for us in our family. But Paula felt, you know, I felt to, to put them we had a huge pack of, of uh, newborn babies' clothes, and we said, We're gonna, I'm, I'm feeling to put them online, on Facebook market, and for see who, who needs them. And this lady contacted her. And she got in touch with her and said, Look, I'm 34 weeks pregnant, and they'll be really helpful. So Paula said, Oh, here's my address. Come over here to collect. They're here for you. The lady came. And the lady came and she collected, she asked, you sure you don't want anything? We said, no, is this to bless you? The same way we were blessed once, we want to bless you as well. And she left. And then she texted Paula back saying that she cried from the car until her house. And then Paula said, I'm going to send a message to her. And I'm going to meet for coffee. I'm going to leave my comfort zone and I'm going to meet this lady for coffee. And she went for coffee, the lady. And now we got our hands dirty because we washed her feet. And you know what it means? We met someone who is 34, years, uh, 34 weeks pregnant, whose boyfriend kicked her out. She is from Spain. Her boyfriend British. He doesn't want to know anything of her. She doesn't have family over here. She's going to give labor by herself. She doesn't have anyone to give through her a baby shower. So our hands now are dirty. Because we're going to have to understand, do we want to see revival? 
Because for us to see revival, we're going to understand that we're going to have to give up our rights of a busy agenda, of two kids, of having no time, of having no money, and we're going to have to commit ourselves. This lady has the opportunity to see revival in her life. And the choice is not if the glory of God was revealed or not. The choice that we need to make if, 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 is if I want to reveal, if I want to reveal the love of the Father for her or not. I said to Paulo, we are we're in trouble, in a good trouble. Because we are the ones who need to make the choice to go down. And I want to sing a song to finish. Because it's, it's a personal choice. Uh, although we are a church, there's a song. And this can be just, uh, we don't need to go to the other one. Uh, just uh, nothing else. Just uh, heart of worship. Yeah. Because I wanted to invite you to have some time talking to God before I finish. And asking God, I want to go back to the heart of worship. I want to go back where I first met Jesus. Where people matter to me. We basically what it says in the last uh, I, I fully believe that this mean, this Bible verse means that if my people who are called by my name become like Jesus, and we humble ourselves, we are becoming like Jesus. But we have set a so higher standard. For me to worship, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. I've been to church. Nothing is happening. I've been worshiping. I've been thanking God. Nothing's happening. Do you know who promised in the Bible blessings because of worship? Was not wasn't God. There's someone in the Bible that promised blessings because of an exchange of worship, and this person was Satan. Satan came to Jesus and said, "Worship, and I will give you all the things you need." Who promised angels to protect us when we are doing something bad? Without, Jesus said that the angels will protect us. God said. But who promised that? Who said, do whatever you want. Do what, the, what the God didn't tell you to do. And then, if you fall from this place, He will put angels to protect you. Who promised angels for, instead of protection if, when you do something that God didn't ask you to do? Satan. I learned with my church in Brazil that be careful when you pray asking God to protect your car. Be careful when you pray asking angels to protect your car. Because what is the role of angels? To protect who? People. So if a burglar comes to steal your car, the angels will make sure that they don't get hurt. Because that's their job. They never had intention to protect your car. But their intention is to protect people. Because we can be without car. People in Turkey right now, they don't have enough house. And who said, I will struggle too much if I don't have a car? I won't. But I will struggle a lot if I don't have the presence of my father. And that's where I want to be. I want to be desperate for him once again. 
I just want to be with him. And for us to finish, I want to invite you to sing this. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And we're going to do it in a way that we can hear our voices. I love all the instruments, but I also love when we can stop and hear our voices singing together. That when the music fades and all is stripped away, I'm bringing more than a song because a song itself is not what we have required. And talk to God. Where you are, talk to God and say, God, you know my heart. You know my heart, you know. Before we sing that, look what the disciples did, my friend. Jesus was with the disciples. 5,000 people hungry. They could have seen revival that day. They had the best intention. And they come to say, Jesus, they did a prayer. Because Jesus was over there, so we were talking to Jesus. But Jesus, look, all the people over there hungry. 5,000 men, so much more women, so much more kids. They are hungry, Jesus. They are desperate, Jesus. Send them home so they can eat. Hear my prayer, Jesus. They need to eat something. Send them home. They are tired. That was the, the prayers of the disciples. And Jesus just come to them and said, feed them yourself. Jesus, look outside, Ross. Chaotic. Do something. Send something. Send yourself to them. Look, people are hungry. Give your food. Humble yourself. Give up your rights. Go back to the heart of worship. When it's all about obeying what Jesus says. And my friend, blessings will flow. Blessings will follow you. Because He will make you like a living water. If you knew who you're calling. If you knew who is asking you for waters. You would ask Him for waters. John chapter 4. You would ask Him for waters. And what will happen? He will make river, rivers of flowing waters flowing from you.